and welcome to Podcast Me Anything and Ask Me Anything for all things podcasting. I'm your host, Ben Cloy, and I'm joined here in the studio with Matthew Passy, the podcast consultant. Matthew and I wanted to move the conversations beyond the podcasting 101 topics and move into the intermediate to advanced podcasting strategy to reach your goals, to interact with the show, submit your questions to be answered live, book a podcast live with Matthew, or find the notes from today's show, head on over to podcastmeanything.com. Well, I have one question for you today, Matthew. We're going to open up a little bit different. Have you seen my car? No. What? (laughs) Exactly. I've always wanted to say that, and I've always wanted to introduce a (laughs) podcast, because the 90s TV show, I don't even know if it was 90s or early 2000s, of Dude, Where's My Car? Every time Uh, I jump on a Zoom call, I just want to jump on and say, Dude, have you seen my car? And so I decided to take an opportunity to lighten it up a little bit, change the mood, and to put a smile on your face before we dive into some serious podcasting topics. All right. I am, that's a very, very dated reference you just threw at us, sir. I feel like we're both dated people. I mean, maybe the listeners are a little bit more fresh and they may not be aware of that uh, 2000 classic of Dude, Where's My Car, which isn't worth going back and watching, but it's probably worth watching a few clips on YouTube to understand the reference, but that's probably about it. I don't know. Does you think that is that movie hold up? Like if you watch it today, is there a reason why we have to cancel that movie or the talent in that movie? I mean, there might have been some like uh, stereotypes with aliens that might some future might require to be canceled or some stereotypes with women that might have been applied there with um, some, the aliens that showed up in that movie and how they were represented, maybe. But okay. I don't know. There's more. There's a bigger list of ones that probably could be canceled before. Dude, where's my car? Fair enough. But the premise of it was just crazy. (laughs) Yes, it definitely was. And unique enough, like, it's one of those movies where you're like, how, what mindset were they even in when this type of movie was written? I assume under heavy influence of marijuana, alcohol, and or something else. Yes. And you know what else we did by today with this random rant is I've always loved and appreciated the podcast that opened with banter that has nothing to do with the podcast. And that's exactly what we did today. Ah, cat talk, as I used to call it. Cat talk. I haven't heard of that. Is that the official like radio term for banter? No, it's just what I used to say because I always, uh, anytime I was like, oh, I just want to talk about stuff for a few minutes. I'm like, so you want to be Mark Maron who talks about his cat for 20 minutes before he actually brings on the <laughs> guest. And, you know, most of the time I'm like, I, I don't care about your cat anymore, Mark. Enough. And uh, the world doesn't care about your cat, even though you do desperately love your cat. Yeah, I mean, I can see the charm. I, listen, if you're an entertainer and your whole point is to make people laugh and, you know, create that sense of relationship and community and, and connection and personal connection, then, yeah, you want to talk for a few minutes about what's going on in your life, something funny that happened to you, an anecdote. I, I get it. If you're a brand or a business podcaster, like, no, if you're talking about startups, entrepreneurial life, real estate, like most of your audience is busy and they just want you to get right down to it. Well, with that said, let's get down to it with some news <laughs> out of Amazon. <laughs> and before we talk about the news out of Amazon, I want to go back to maybe the news. I think it was like last summer that when po- Amazon bought and purchased podcasting.com, I think for some insane amount of money, they essentially did it Spotify style, just making these big giant purchases to staple and symbolize what they're meaning to do. And some recent news out of Amazon is that they launched this entire new kind of idea. It's not new. It's just their take on it, which is called AMP. And AMP is essentially a live radio broadcast without any of the FCC regulations of owning a tower or any of the half a million dollars it takes to broadcast 
FM or AM radio stations. And it allows you to integrate radio licensing and everything else that maybe seems complicated, especially like even just being a DJ playing music. It also allows you to be a virtual DJ on a radio station playing live. And it's just a really interesting idea that takes the podcasting space even to a different level entirely. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like Clubhouse or Twitter spaces for people who want to do this and also use music. Or it's like Spotify now says if you're a podcaster using their hosting solutions, you can incorporate music into your show and that music will be allowed to be played for folks who are listening on Spotify as opposed to other platforms where putting music on your show is a big no-no. So it's a very interesting idea and it's an interesting concept that you know kind of gets Amazon in the Clubhouse discussion without having just launched the same old boring, oh, here's another version of Clubhouse. Like, you know, now we're this is for only Amazon users. Uh, but you know, with Amazon's breadth and reach of products and services and intellectual property and licenses and royal, like all those different things, um, it's it's a very 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 smart move. Um, it allows them to have a you know a bigger content platform without having to spend all the money on hiring content creators, right? Like they don't have to have a DJ, they don't have to get a Joe Rogan. They create a platform. And they say, you know what, Ben, you could be our next Joe Rogan. Here's a platform, right? Doesn't cost them anything to invite people to do that kind of stuff. They've already got the license, I assume, from Amazon Music, and I'm sure they had to pay a little bit to to apply it to this platform. But to Amazon, this is probably nothing. The irony that you just described in the way you did it is Apple in its early days, like when they just launched like the iPod, music was the crux of how they reinvented themselves beyond like just the Mac and the ideas of when Steve Jobs took it over. Music was one of those core things that they reinvented. And they've had iTunes for the last 20 years now, and they've had access. They've had all the digital rights to it. They were the kind of the space that defined digital music that wasn't like a post-Napster era of music licensing. They were the start of podcasting, and they missed the boat in both of these of how to marry them together. And in this case, Amazon launched Amazon Music kind of quietly just to add something probably to Amazon Alexa was probably maybe the first basis. Maybe they had something in down road for this that they just launched. But they they start these little projects that then integrate with themselves and it becomes this ecosystem that they can just keep adding on to and letting those purchases kind of build off of each other. And like I just pointed out, like Apple had the opportunity to and it didn't. And now Spotify is doing it and Amazon almost like Amazon does it a little bit more liberally, like they're less worried about all the ecosystem containers and they're more worried about just creating something for content players. I'm interested to see where your thoughts on this is. When I first described it, like the first thought that popped in my head because there was one fine print in it and it wasn't like just a fine print, it was a feature. People could call in like a phone number of like a radio station. And to me, like my instant thought was like a Dr. Laura type podcast or any political commentary where people want to call in and provide questions or answer questions, or even my own selfish idea was like, huh, I could actually create like a live dad radio show and have people call in and I give dad advice like Dr. Laura. And that idea could work on Clubhouse. It could work on any of the other ones. But the way that AMP wrote the description of their product, I instantly saw my idea fitting into it versus the other ones where I hadn't truly seen it plugging into there as easily as it could potentially on AMP. Yeah, I mean, I guess the benefit of this platform potentially over the other ones, I mean, one, right, like everything else, Amazon comes with massive brand recognition. Amazon comes with massive connectivity to lots of people. When Amazon launches this, they've got billions of people who they're already emailing all the time because they have Amazon accounts. 
right? You've got Amazon Prime. You've got right, like people already have a direct connection to this company. So Clubhouse had to grow from nothing. And if you recall, it was like invite only. You could only get a Clubhouse. You could only get into Clubhouse originally with an invite. And then as soon as Twitter was like, oh, we'll launch something like that. A bunch of people left Clubhouse because they've already got a built-in network on Twitter. And so Amazon has that same benefit. They've got a built-in community that is already aware of Amazon and the products that it puts out. And you know, people who want to access their content without having to do the social media thing. Um, and so I think that gives them a lot of power and scale. But also, to your point, I think the benefit of AMP over even Twitter spaces is that AMP really does replace the radio, right? Clubhouse and Twitter spaces are people talking. Yeah, I'm sure people are playing music on there. I'm sure at some point, you know, they're getting in trouble or they're going to take down or at some point maybe Twitter will even get the licenses so that people can do that. But the fact is, like, if you want a experience where you have choice of not just getting into a talk portal like Clubhouse or Twitter, all those other things, and you want a place with like a lot of entertainment to check out, then you've got AMP and that's going to give you the best of both worlds. And you're right. It'll probably integrate into Amazon Music. It'll probably integrate into your Fire TV. It'll probably integrate into, you know, other devices and Amazon doesn't care. They'll put their apps on anything. They just want more people to think of Amazon when they think of any type of commerce. And you even can see, I could even see Alexa give me a notification that says, because you listen to the Business of Fatherhood podcast, have you heard about this new new radio show on AMP? Because they're always recommending things based on things you previously purchased. So they have the metadata that Google does with search, but also Amazon has the ecosystem of like products that actually like tie it together. And it's, I, th- I feel like Amazon recommends more things better to me than Google does. Google may pop up an ad better than Amazon does, but Amazon is saying like, hey, you purchased this, maybe you also might like this or you're listening to this and it would also figure that out as well. So the future is pretty bright and it's already pretty good on day one. It is invite only. There is a code in the pod news article that was mentioned called Twitter, which is an invite code. And I just tested it at the time of this recording, which still works. So if you're looking (laughs) to get an invite code, use the word Twitter. And however long that will last, it's still working, even though it launched about two weeks ago. So that is something that I'm just really excited for going forward. And you know what? Maybe maybe uh, in an upcoming episode, we'll actually try an AMP channel and we'll, we'll do one of these live out there and see how it works out. That would be also a good experiment of bringing in the experiment into our live videos that we've already been talking about and we've did specific episodes back in December on how to do live production and producing of a podcast versus like a static recording where you're worried about more about the audio quality. You got in-person recording devices versus going over the internet. So opens up a whole new world of ways that we could take podcast mini thing and podcast more about anything in a new, unique live way. And then we could play music as dated as dude, where's my car? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and bring in some like 80s theme music too, to do like rock and roll themes. Like the, the world just gets bigger and there's, um, especially when we talked about licensing before, there's a lot of things you can trip. It's like a giant tripwire mess. I mean, if Amazon has figured out a way to avoid that tripwire, it will go to the moon very quickly because there is very few other ways that gets you good music that has no tripwires for you getting banned. Yeah, true that. Let's go into our di- deep dive today. And today we're going to kind of take the ideas of what we were just talking about and doing live stuff like that. But we're going to take a specific part of your podcast episode. And it's probably the one, once you get past the idea, once you get past the description writing, 
once you get past the cover art, the first like real thing of like you probably start really stressing about whether it's good enough quality is the podcast intro. And if you're going to work on it, a podcast outro. So if I were coming to you, Matthew, as a brand new client, and I just said, you know what? I've worked on my podcast intro for two days. It's stressing me out. How would you walk me back so I don't get stressed out about it? And what would your advice be to design the perfect podcast intro? Well, first thing I would say is if you haven't already, like make sure you kind of followed our guideline for creating your podcast description, which is what is the show about? Why should I listen? Who are you? What qualifies you to talk about this and your call to action? If you have that written out, if you have those questions answered, I basically take that information and I kind of flip it around. I condense it a little bit. I usually use that as like a basic template for writing out my podcast intros. So for most of the shows that we work on, we like to do a show intro, right? A generic repeated intro that every week says, hi, welcome to Podcast Me Anything, the show that will help you create a better podcast, right? Um, then, you know, I'm Matthew Bassey, the podcast consultant. I'm Ben Kiloy, you know, a veteran dad podcaster and podcast producer and consultant. Uh, learn more about us at podcastmeanything.com, right? Every week you're going to hear the same thing. What's the show about? Why should I listen? Who are we? And uh, where can I go to get more information? Then I would have the episode intro, which would be a spot where I would come on and specifically say, hey, everyone, thanks for joining us this week. Today I'm talking with Ben about the new Amazon AMP app, how to write a good intro for your show, and some of the legal tripwires about podcasting music that are still coming up in regular discussions. Right. And so I'm going to describe what you're hearing today on the show. That's your episode intro. And then I would get some music or something like that. And I would go into the actual content of the show. The temptation there is that what you want to do is you want to try and get all that information in there without taking up too much time, right? Without having too much cat talk uh, and making people wait for the value to show up in the show. People are going to make a decision about if they're going to keep listening pretty quickly. And so what you don't want to do is you don't want to hold them for 10 minutes with a, you know, a laundry list of call to actions or housekeeping stuff about your show or, you know, reminders about the traffic and the weather and, and make people wait to get to the value. Um, or if you're going to include all those components, then you better make it very clear up front what value people are going to get if they stick around. And so a lot of people try and do that with like a tease, right? Either they'll come on the show and they'll be like, today on the show, we're talking music, amp, and how to avoid legal troubles. All that's coming up. And then boom, right? Their music comes in and then they go through their show intro and, and all those other components. Or a lot of people will drop like a, a clip, right? They'll take a piece of the episode from later in the show. They'll play that clip. And then after that clip plays, then they'll go into their show intro. And it's not a terrible idea, right? It, it can be fun if you can, if you're really good at identifying clips that make people say, oh, I, I need to hear more of that, right? Like if you have that skill set of hearing something that makes people say that is both helpful and interesting and also makes me want to hear more and you could do it without picking a three minute clip, then go for it. But a lot of people get, you know, they pick out these 40 second clips, these two minute clips. And what happens is unless you've got music underneath or unless you've got a voice that starts with like, you know, coming up on the show, what happens is you start just playing a clip dry. And after a while, people are like, did I screw up playing the show? Like, did I did I start in the middle? Like, what happened here? So 
you have to kind of be careful with extra elements beyond that kind of standard show intro. And I could keep going, but I see you like I could see you pondering your question. So I'm going to stop and let you kind of break in here. As the show host, I would just like to add and clarify, it is my job to always be pondering questions. There is always a question pondering. and Because if you're not being a good host, you really will have like dead air and you're like, uh, I don't have a good question. So you did call me out and I do have a question. You answered it a little bit with the trailer. What about the other side of that show intro? Because there's the other part that people like have to do is like they want to jump on. And I did this when I first launched and got feedback that like, oh man, it took me till 10 minutes to get to your episode and they got annoyed. How do you find, or even do you not recommend, like, do you recommend going right from your intro right to the episode? Or do you recommend some banter of maximum five minutes post that show intro? I, again, going back to what I said earlier, it really comes down to what is your show about and who are you, right? This is for most of the people that we work with and what I assume most of the audience that would check this kind of show out are businesses and brands who are using this as a as a tool for marketing themselves or networking or you know growing their sales, right? Things like that. If that's the case, then no, I don't care about your cat. Right. I want to find out what information like I am investing time in listening to your show. I could be doing other things with that time, whether it's listening to something else, reading a book, watching something. Right. So if if you are asking me to invest my time in, in con- for your content, like give me the value that you've promised me as quickly as possible. On the other hand, if I am in, if I am listening to your podcast, because that is a way for me to enjoy my time. Right. I listen to Smartless is one of my personal casual podcasts uh, that I listen to. Right. It is uh, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes and Will Arnett. They interview various celebrities and famous people. It usually runs about an hour and it's like the show I put on anytime I'm driving somewhere and, you know, just want to fill the space with something that is fun and light and enjoyable. And what I enjoy about that show sometimes more than the interview is the three to 10 minutes of banter that those three do before they bring the guests on or the banter at the end of the show after the guests where they're kind of wrapping it up and making jokes and like talking about each other. But I'm, I'm listening to that show for the enjoyment of the time. And also because it helps me kind of get deeper connection to these three famous people that I like and admire and respect. So, it really comes down to how are you using your podcast? What is your relationship to the audience? And what are the expectations there? Let's go to a sub thread in the intro. And it's also, if this is your first podcast, and if you're in the indie category of just trying to figure out what podcast is and try to utilize it for your brand, and you don't like the sound of your own voice, and you've got this question, do I do my own intro or do I pay a voice personality to do them? I've struggled with this personally as well because voice personalities sound good. They sound really depth. They sound perfect, but it also feels a little bit disconnected sometimes on certain podcasts, whereas like your, your brand, your person, who you are is the brand. Why would you let someone else introduce that? Like, why wouldn't you introduce yourself as that person? So I'm interested, where do you draw the line on hiring a voice personality to do your intros or sucking it up and getting past that you don't like the sound of your own voice and that other people do. Because honestly, I've, I have hated the sound of my voice. I have literally been complimented that your voice sounded like chocolate. 
And I was like, I have never heard that in my entire life, but I'll take it as a sign that I should keep podcasting. So I'm interested to see how you work through this. Well, so a couple of things. One, we all hate the sound of our own voice when we hear it back. And that is just science. When you are talking right right now, as I am speaking, I am hearing my voice internally. I'm hearing it through bone conductivity, right? My voice is not traveling out of my mouth and going into my ears. It's kind of racking around inside of my brain. So it, it sounds one way. When I hit stop on this and I play my voice back through headphones or speakers, now my voice is coming directly into there. And it's like, you're hearing it in a different way than what you were accustomed to hearing it. And so it sounds foreign and therefore it sounds weird. And therefore most people are like, Ugh, right? Because they don't, they don't know what they actually sound like. So it's science. Everybody hates the sound of their voice pretty much. One, if you're going to do this, get over it. It's going to take time, but get over it. it. You know, like if you can't stand the sound of your voice enough to not do the intro, you probably can't stand the sound of your voice enough to do any of this. So that shouldn't be an issue. Truthfully, though, when it comes to whether or not you should use a, a pro voiceover versus whether or not you should do yourself, honestly, I think it's just a personal preference. I, I like to recommend voiceover people for a couple of different reasons. One, I think it adds to the professionalism of it, right? Like, like you said, you get a pro voiceover, somebody using a really good microphone, somebody who knows how to deliver. Like, yeah, it gives a first impression right away. That says like, Oh, this person is serious Two, Often I see people using different gender people to break up possibly the monotony. So if you are a male host, mostly interviewing other males, it might be nice to get a female voice in there to just kind of break things up a little bit and like change the dynamic and, and, you know, have a little bit of a, of a separation in what's going on. So that could be another reason to get a voiceover. But I also, I can agree and understand the people who are saying, no, 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 this is my show. Like I want to be the one who welcomes you, right? Like I want to be the one who's making that personal connection and that's okay. I, I just think it's, it's a matter of what you like, what you personally want you know, I think both can work equally as well. And I think if your brand has to, I mean, all brands have to really sell trust and authenticity, but if they really have to like trust the person completely, like if you're the person they're buying from as like a professional speaker, I think any chance that they just get to add more trust and authenticity to the sound of your voice, I think that will just alleviate and increase the likelihood of them potentially doing business with you in the future. Because if you're in their stream of listening every week, they're just going to get more used to it. They're going to trust the intro. They're going to trust what you claim to do in your intro. So I think it could also be a fine line of what kind of products does someone need to buy from your brand, hopefully down the road by you doing this podcast as well. There was one other thought that I popped up in my head that I had to learn the hard way of going back to those that banter before you start your interview shows. If you're doing an interview show is to actually avoid having to do that banter. I really just get them really excited. I share a few little tidbits of what got me excited about this interview. Sometimes I'll do an intro depending on what type of guest it is, but I'll actually tease and say, hey, if you want to hear what my big takeaway of this episode is, hang on to the end of this episode and I'll be back on the microphone to let you know like this, this interview impacted me personally and I'll jump back on here and explain like this was the one thing that I am taking away and now implying in my life. Because then it gives you a reason to come back, gives you a reason to close out and offer any other things and not have to worry about filling it up in the beginning. And that probably took me like two years to figure out that like, hey, why don't you just invite them to come back on the other side and then talk about what you want to talk about and give them a reason to 
as well. Yeah, and I mean, that's a good opportunity, especially for folks who want to use their podcast as a way to elevate their brand, their expertise, right? Show off what they know about whatever the topic is, because truthfully, it's hard to tell everyone, hey, I'm the expert in the room. Welcome to my podcast. And then not talk for 90% of it because you're interviewing somebody else and you're interviewing that person because they are possibly smarter or, you know, the expert on whatever it is. So that's a great way to kind of showcase your knowledge on something while not taking over the entire show. Something else um, I I just want people to think about that comes up often, and maybe this is, you were going to ask about this, but the outro of the show, there's the thought that really outros are a waste of time. Most people, once they hear the music start to come on, they kind of know like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm done. Like, I'm not even going to listen, so why bother? I think the outro is a great spot to jam in all of your extra call to actions. So maybe you don't want to, overpopulate your intro with too many things. Like I think it's a lot to ask people to rate and review, subscribe, sign up for the newsletter, donate to our Patreon, go to this, go to that, right? Like you are asking people to do a lot of stuff before they've even had a chance to listen to the content. And so that might get onerous. And so the back of the show is a good place to be like, Hey, by the way, you know, here's all the other ways that you can help the show out. And to your point, you can, ensure that people listen to it by holding something to the very end, right? And so you can say, hey, Matthew, thanks for being on the show. That was a lot of fun. Um, Hey, everyone, you know, coming up my hot take on this interview. But first, we want to tell you that, you know, you can find the show here, find the show there, right? Like, and so if if you've created a feature that people look forward to and they're willing to wait till the end for, you can slip in all that housekeeping beforehand and make it worthwhile. The reason why I bring this up is that I also think it's getting better and I'm starting to encourage more often for people to do their show intro live as part of their episode intro. So instead of having something that is pre-recorded and that you just insert every single time and is pretty static, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with like dynamic insertion possibilities, but what I'm starting to recommend more often is script out your intro, right? So that you repeat kind of the same things. Hey, welcome to the show, it's about X, here's why you're gonna stay, here's who I am, and then your call to action, and then go into, so today on the show, and it all sounds a little bit uh, continuous, but that gives you an opportunity to rotate that call to action week to week, month to month, whatever it is, so that if maybe you've been saying for the last month, subscribe to the show, now you could say, by the way, we've got a Patreon, like, and tell people to do that. Or, hey, we've got this great email newsletter, or we're running an event, right? And you could do that without it getting stale and old by saying the same thing over and over and over again. Because if you do something over and over and over and over and over again, it becomes white noise and people start to tune it out. So, I am starting to encourage a little bit more of that. Yes, have a show intro, but maybe read it live with your episode intro. Um, And that'll give you a little bit of flexibility to insert something timely and maybe something a little bit more personable uh, without getting too far off the rails. And the reason why I say script it, right? We don't love people who read on podcasts, but we also don't love people. We make a decision about a podcast pretty quickly. And so we also don't love listening to a podcast. And the first thing here is, hey, everyone, welcome to, um, oh, what was it called again? Right like right away, that's going to be a red flag. Because I'm going to be like, this is not going to be good. And I'm gone. So you want to 
come off confidently in the beginning of that show. And so when you're starting off scripted and by, you know, seventh, eighth, 10th, 12th, whatever episode, you probably don't even need that script anymore because it just becomes second nature. And you can just say, Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Here's what we're doing today and, and move on. And then you could decide if you've been doing it long enough, your audience has grown enough. You can maybe skim, you know, scale back on some of that intro content. But remember, if you're listening to us, you're probably thinking, how do I get more listeners? And so if you're thinking about how to get more listeners, you're probably going to start getting more new listeners and therefore new listeners need to be told, here's what this is about. Don't always assume that everybody has already heard it before. The people who have heard it before, they probably know how to skip over it. They probably know it's a minute and they'll get away from it if they don't want to hear it. But the people who are new, they need to be welcomed. They need to be told and you need to, you know, pound it into their head. Here's what you're going to get from us if you stick to the show. Let's take that closure on that topic, but then also let's go to what's in the background of all that topic, which is music. And I got a two-part question. Our question of the day is tied to copyright of music, which ties into this question of how do you pick the right music to underline the or underlie the actual intro? Because one, it's extreme. I, I tell you, next to getting over my own voice, the second most stressful thing next to picking your WordPress theme, probably because there's 15,000 of those as well, is finding the right tune to play in your intro. Like that is there's just so many options, just playing them over and over. And it's usually a gut feeling, but man, you could listen to 50 before you got like, ooh, that's the one. I would say a couple of different things. Um, how do you pick the right music? So one, first of all, don't pick commercial music. Like I could go over the whole long argument. I'm sure there's someone to be like, but it's fine. Fair Whatever. I'm not, I, you know, I don't need to repeat this over and over again. Don't pick commercial music. There's a lot of good reasons not to, and very few good reasons to use them. And nine times out of 10, the, the good reasons are not worth all the hassle and the headache and the possible legal ramifications and losing your show. So don't pick commercial music. What I look for is I always talk to clients and I always say, what is the tone of your show, right? If your show, if your theme has a, has a playlist, what would be on that playlist? What kind of artist? what kind of music, what kind of sound, what kind of feel are you going for? And then I use one of two royalty free libraries typically to find my show music. And increasingly we've got someone on our team who can produce unique music and compose music for people to use. Um, but for most of the people listening, like these, two, these two spots are pretty easy. One is called pond five P O N D the number five.com. And, uh, Ben will have a link on the show notes, I'm sure. Uh, and the other one is called premium beats. Pond five is a huge, massive library of music. What I typically do is I will find either that artist name, that song title, or maybe some of those keywords like rock, rap, you know, polka, country, jazz, thrash metal, whatever it is, put that in the search bar. And then I usually add like the word corporate or bed music or something else that kind of tells the search directory, like, yeah, I want it to sound like rock and roll, but I also don't want it to be distracting. And so when people think of corporate music or bed music, they think of something that establishes itself quickly, right? Sets the tone in the first few beats, but then quickly fades underneath and just helps to move along the voiceover. Doesn't, the music is not the show. 
right? People should get familiar with the music. They should, you know, hear it and automatically think like, oh yeah, that's the show I'm listening for. But the music should not be the feature. It should just be there to, to help move things along. Um, so Pond5 is the one that I go to because their library is just massive. I mean, huge. And for most of the tracks are very reasonably priced. And if you need to get a business license, it's going to be more. But but even that, like it's it's a good marketplace for finding royalty-free tracks because the options are limitless. And only a few times have I ever heard somebody using the same music as somebody else who I've, I've worked with, um, because of that library, because it's just so big. The other one is premium beats. And the thing about premium beats that I really, really like is that when you buy a track from premium beats, you don't just get the one piece of music, but you get this suite of music. And so it comes with what they call stems and loops and different versions. So you might get a 15, 30, 60 second version of a song. You might get like just the drums, just the horns, just the piano, right? Like they give you all these different pieces of this song that make it easy for you to play with and use them in different spots. So maybe use the main music as your intro, but then you take one of those loops or the stems or, or just the drums. And maybe that is a transition that you use later in the show so that it maintains the theme that you've got going, but without repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again as your transition elements every time. The only difference with premium beats is their music is their library is not nearly as expansive. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a very large library, but I have heard a few shows that all use the same track, uh, more than once. And so your chances of running into somebody else using a similar time uh, using a similar track is is a lot higher. And then, of course, you can go down the road of getting somebody to compose music, which would be all yours and totally unique. But, you know, that can often be a little bit more expensive and it could take some time for that person to really understand what it is that you want that music to sound like. For us, we typically try and find something and then we say, hey, can we create something like this as opposed to we're looking for rock music, like rock music can sound like anything. Is it 70s rock? Is it 80s rock? Is it glam rock? Is it pop rock? Right? Like you you need to be a little bit more specific because just saying I want something lighthearted. I can give you lighthearted that sounds like a polka song. I can give you lighthearted that sounds like, you know, California beach surfing. I can give you lighthearted that sounds like, you know, uh EDM music. So you've got to you've got to think a little bit more specifically about what is the tone and the feel and what is going to not just move your audience, but what's going to move you, right? Like what is going to make you hear this and be like, yeah, I'm into this because it's your show and you've got to love it. And I think there is a subconscious like magnetism that happens because the right beat to a music will definitely get me more excited to listen to it. And it's also becomes like the, the digital, uh, the, the sound logo. Is that, no, there's not the right term. What's the logo? You're thinking of the Sonic ID. Sonic ID, like where there's just yeah. like the NBC bells type thing. And it gives you that identity. And I also want to just point out, because I don't think people consider it a lot, but the podcast or the opportunity to produce, if you have a budget for it, to produce your own music, to create maybe even a unique audio feeling to each episode, I don't discredit that. I always appreciate like the episodes like 20,000 Hertz, where there's this entire sublay of almost like an orchestra like in a Disney movie where the music changes as the story is going, that to me can really upsell the value, the production value of your episodes and just over overall increased 
I think the feeling that you leave your audience with. So, and I don't think most people even consider that as an option because unless you're in that world, you don't even really think that there's a whole group of people out there custom composing music, but the industry is probably millions, if not billions big of custom composing stuff. Yeah. I mean, the truth is like, is it nice when you can listen to a show that has different music that helps to tell that story uniquely from yesterday's episode or last week's episode or this, and like the music is sad, it's happy, right? Like that is a great thing to have, but that is a expensive feature. Agreed. It takes good and, sponsors and good attraction and millions of downloads to pr produce that type of quality as well. It's not even good sponsors. It's just the fact that, you know, you it, it's what's known as sound design. And it is a very, very special skill. And unless you are, like I said, unless you're that person who knows how to do that and can either create that music every single time or, you know, has the time to find that music every single time and buy new music every single time to do this or subscribe to a good library, whatever that looks like. Um, it's, it's just onerous. But, and while I think you're right, like I think it adds to, and I think there are definitely shows that I appreciate more because they do it. I think for our target audience, the return on that investment isn't necessarily worth it. I, I think, would agree with that as well. You know, like, spending there is a the certain time, person where it's not the right person. Yeah. Again, listen, if you're the daily, yeah, you've got millions and millions of listeners and you've got to make a lot of money off this. And so, yeah, your sound design is very important. Like you don't want the same sound effect when you're talking about the outcome of an election versus the bombing of Ukraine, right? Like you don't, you need to set that tone very differently. But if you're talking about how to be a better entrepreneur, well, you're still talking about how to be a better entrepreneur in the next episode and the episode after that and the episode after that and the episode after that, right? Like it's just not as important. Plus, most people, they don't use a ton of music outside of that intro and outro. It's set the tone, get me into the show, and now we're out. So pick something that you like that has a memorable theme to it so that when people hit play and they hear those first few chords or those first few beats or whatever it is, right away they go, ah, yeah, I'm in, like, I'm ready to listen. We've got a couple of clients who, you know, the music that they've been using, they've been using it for five years now. And I can literally hear the one chord and be like, oh, that show's coming on. And like, it just puts me in the right mood for it. And it, it is memorable and relatable. And it's that sense of consistency that you as a podcast really want to create. Yeah. It's the gold that you really don't think about in the beginning because you're stressed about all the other things. But long term, it's that long term feeling that you're going to sit with. Before we close this episode out, I got one question that just popped in. So I want to close it out and put a cherry on it. Where's your opinion on indie artists? Because there are a few podcasts that have like, say, artists as friends that are still trying to break into different uh, platforms and they say they can sing, they can play guitar type stuff. Do you ever recommend any types of that or would you stay away from it just as much as commercial music and it just makes it complicated for someone to even know whether you need to be policed or not? So here's the tricky part about that. I love the idea of being able to support your independent musician friends. Um, the, the problem arises when either a, your independent musician friend decides to sign with a label and in those negotiations, they don't bring up the fact that you, your buddy is using the music as a podcast or, and then the labels all of a sudden like, oh yeah, we own this now. You can't do that anymore. Now you're back to the original problem, which is don't use commercial music on your podcast. Um, 
and, and look, I don't know how often that happens. I don't have a lot of independent musical friends who have turned big or have gotten a label, but that is that is like the legal tripwire that you are thinking about. Um, the other thing that ha- could happen again is just the algorithms, right? Like that's my bigger concern. Even clients who I've spoken to have been like, I don't care what it costs. I can afford to buy the license. Like, yeah, you probably can afford to buy the license. Maybe. I mean, some people think they can, and then they find out what it really is. It's like, oh, really? Um, but what happens is the algorithms don't know that you have the license. And so you could be putting music on your show thinking it's all good. And then remember, we did a story about two months ago. Facebook is just muting music on podcasts if it hears something that it's not supposed to. And Spotify is flagging shows and removing episodes. And YouTube is banning channels when people put music in there they're not supposed to, right? Like all those things can happen anytime you put music in there that you are not supposed to and that you, you know, don't own the license to. And so even if you own the license, you spend whatever, 10, 20, $30,000 to get the Taylor Swift song to put as your intro, you're probably still playing, you know, whack-a-mole with having to convince these platforms every time. Like, no, I own this, right? Like their, their algorithms are going to be like cut. And now you have to go and say, but here's my license. Here's the thing, right? Fill out the form, fill out the blah, 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 and get them to reverse it as opposed to just not having to worry about that. I personally, I would rather just not have to worry about that. It is very few people have ever said, you know, I wasn't going to listen to this crappy podcast, but they started with a Taylor Swift song. So now I'm in. Yeah. They paid the big bucks. They've got to have something big to deliver. It's mostly it's a, I think it's mostly an ego driven decision because because I can, I could, I, I will. Yeah, I mean, one of the most popular, one of the most popular podcasts I've ever listened to is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And they use that ridiculous, you know, they use that uh, piano intro, right? Like it is, if you heard that music outside of the podcast, you'd be like, this is nothing. This is nonsense. But because it's there and it's been doing the same thing, it's this, it's now become this iconic piece of music. And it's so much more interesting that it's theirs and unique and relatable as opposed to if they had just, you know, decided to use, I don't know, they started 30 years ago. So maybe they pulled a Phil Collins song right now. Now, 30 years later, they're still using a Phil Collins song. It's like, what is this? Right. It just doesn't have that same. It's not as important to have to be able to say, oh, I'm using the latest U2 song. And that's probably still a dated reference. Um, as you could tell, I'm not going to have a music channel anytime soon. Uh, but the point is, I don't think there is a significant return on that investment. Yeah, and I'm glad I asked the question because there was probably a listen out there somewhere either currently listening or catches up on in the past listening to this that was considering it. You know, like there's this probably this world where I could avoid this whole tripwire of corporate and copyrighted music. I could just hire someone and support my local podcast or support my local indie music creators. And then really, hopefully, we really highlighted that the upsell is low. Well, it's a feel-good thing. It's not going to pr- provide the production value that you want to bring in those extra like custom artists. But in this case, that you need to focus on those two resources that will be in the show notes to find your theme, find your jingle, find your vibe, and own it and run with it and let that be that digital feeling that people get when they first start listening to your podcast. I like it. Well, that officially puts a nice bow on this idea, this episode. We've done intros, we've done outros. 
We even tackled and got excited because the future world with AMP doesn't have the copyrighted music and we get to, although it's not going to be distributed most likely to all the different platforms, so it's going to be an eco-contained system on AMP, but still, the idea of being able to use that kind of music and having fun with it, I think the opportunity there is really, really fun and really all upside. So Matthew, as always, I'm sad that you didn't find my car and you have no idea where it is, but we created some great audio today and until next week, guys. Have a good one, sir.